I just want to agree with what Pastor Doug said. You know, it's so good that you guys are excited tonight because you know what? So often as Christians, we come into the house of God carrying the weight of the world. We come in and we come under the apathy. We come in and we come under the fact that, man, my week this week was just a shocker. You know, we bring that into the house of God. And so then when someone says, come on, say amen, it's like five people, amen. You know, but that's not what it's about because you see, you can leave your problems at the door. Come in here, worship God, give God your all, and you can pick them back up if you really want to. But see, I suggest that what you do is, if you've had a bad week, that's okay, we all have bad weeks. If you're, if you're going through stuff, you know, and you're getting hassled at school, hassled at work, then that's okay, because that happens to all of us. That's about, that's just living the walk that Jesus walked. See, because he went through that every day. He was spat at, he was persecuted. Man, he died on the cross for you and me. But you see, he never lost his excitement for God. He never lost his passion for God. But so often for us as Christians, man, I'm amazed at how much the church is lifeless at times. I'm amazed at how much us as Christians are just dead. And we wonder why we don't make any impact. Because no one will follow a dead man. See, Jesus died, but he rose again. You need to rise again. Allow your spirit man to arise. Allow all that's within you to arise so that when you come in, you come in full of passion, you come in full of life, you come in carrying the presence of God. And then we'll make an impact. You know, man, I just want to thank the superstar guys. Man, we had an awesome two months. Yeah, oh, actually, it was, what, three months actually. Started in April. Started all the way back in April where we had 80, 90 kids, about 15 schools enter, and they stood up in front of three judges singing with no music, singing their little heart out. And, uh, you know, and then we got down to a top 40 and then we broke up to four groups of 10 where they performed on in the, the Friday nights in May in front of a live audience. We had probably about 500, you know, around that number on most of those nights. And then the big one was on Friday night where we had a thousand people packed out this church. You know, man, it was so exciting. You know, we had probably about the low 900s last year and that was cool because it was the first year we'd run it. And, um, man, I was standing over there and I was, I was talking to one of our crew guys. I said, this is what church should be like. This is how many we should have in this church. And it was just, it was exciting. It was massive to stand up in front of a thousand people and MC and I, and it's like, but that was great. But that's what our Sunday services should be like. Amen. Amen. Come on. You know, man, and, but we had an awesome moment. Taylor Verko, she won our very own. She's from Bay City. And um, we were so pumped for her. She went into the studio yesterday, spent hours. Oh, I had enough. I went home. But uh, she'd been in there for about three hours singing and redoing bits and whatnot. And so she'll be on the radio tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. So for, tune in, 89 FM, classic hits. And uh, she'll be the debut of uh, Believe, written by Believe, is that right? Yeah, sorry, I get mixed up. Last year's song, Dream. Yeah, I thought it was. Dream by uh, Carl, Ro- Carl Whitehead. And how cool is that fella? So, um, but man, I want to tell you, it was so exciting for us to get Julia Wright from uh, Sticky TV. You know, she's an on-fire Christian. You know, she goes to Paul DeYoung's church up in Auckland. And, uh, man, it was so exciting to have someone else who's a believer come in and uh, just help MC the night. Man, she was great. She had hundreds of kids just surrounding her, wanting her autographed. And, and, man, she was so down to earth, you know. For I said, do you get this a lot? She said, I get it all the time. I said, well, does it freak you out? And she said, well, she's only ever had it happen once. But she said, if I'm, you know, if we're there and there's a whole crowd around us, there's these got security type guys that sort of cruise with them and they, they say, she says, if we're really stressed and want to get out, we say, we need a red pen. 
And then as soon as she says that, they all just grab her out. So I said to our boys, if she says she needs a red pen, don't give her a red pen. She wants to go. So, but she was cool. And, uh, you know, she, we said, um, yeah, would you come back next year when we do it? And uh, she said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. She said, but you know who, else, who we should get? And I said, oh, who's that? She said, Brooke Fraser. I said, yeah, that would be cool. And uh, she said that she's really good mates with Brooke Fraser. And uh, they're like this. So, uh, so, you know, so we said, look, if you can get her, it'll be like the last Friday night in, Ju- in June next year. If you can get her, we will have her. We'll bring her out from Aussie, man. We don't care. And then we might do a concert the Friday, Saturday night. How cool would that be? So, um, so uh, she, she, she said she was going to text her. So she's in the States apparently recording another album. So, uh, so that'll be cool. I saw her up there on there for the uh, youth night. I thought, was she coming? But maybe not. Maybe it's just the band playing the music, huh? Yeah, yeah. And you fellas are awesome, man. You guys are prophetic or something, huh? I tell you. But anyway. So uh, tonight, and I'm excited about this. My message tonight is called Life After Death. How many people know that once you die, then there's greater life that will come at the end of it? Man, you will all, when we die, if, if, if you've got a relationship with God, then you'll stand before Jesus and, and he'll, he'll say, man, I'll open those white pearly gates and away you go. And it's like you'll run in and have a great old time. You know, we just watched the Kids Church team, watched uh, Jesse DePlanter's, you know, Encounter of the Gods kind when he went to heaven. We just watched that last week. Man, that's funny. You know, he was saying how we met with Abraham and all this kind of stuff. But I'm not talking about when you die naturally. I'm talking about dying in the spirit. Because you see, God has a plan for your guy's life. God has a destiny for every one of you here. And the question is, will you walk in the destiny that God has for you? Or will you walk in the destiny that the devil has for you? Because you know what? Not only does God have a destiny for your life, but Satan has a destiny for your life as well. And see, the world that we live in, we're called to take this generation. When I say this generation, I'm not just talking about young people, I'm talking about just people who live on the earth, the generation that live today. We're called to make an impact into our region. We're called to make an impact into our world. Because you see, the world we live in today needs God. But yet so often we get caught up with our own world and what's around us. We don't see what's going on. Because we're so focused on ourselves. So often when we get saved, we're just content because now we're saved. Now our name's written in the book of life. Now I can sit pretty and I can sit comfortable. You see, God didn't call you to sit comfortable. God didn't save you so that you can sit comfortable and do nothing. God saved you so that he can empower you then to go out and reach the places that you work in. Reach the school that you go to. Because you see, the, the world that we live in, is increasingly going downhill. And people in this generation are increasingly needing a touch from God. You see, last year, I had a look in the stats thing on the website. You know, we've got the second highest youth suicide rate in the world. Little old New Zealand. 20,000 people got married last year. 10,000 people filed for divorce. That's half. But yet, we, but yet we're content with our world. 18,000 abortions happened last year. But we're content with our world. 50 million in the world. Babies are aborted every year. This is the tsunami that happened in Asia two years ago. 250,000 people died in that tsunami. There was an uproar worldwide. There was in all the newspapers, it was, in, it was in every news, on every TV station. 
aid was sent, churches sent money, sent people to help, but yet more than that, more babies than that get aborted every two days and nothing gets done, nothing gets said. The generation and the time that we're living in, Satan is very specific about his plan. Satan is very specific about killing off a generation that God wants to arise. Because see, in the Bible it talks about the generation in the last days will arise with greater level of anointing, will arise and do greater miracles than, than we've seen before. That's you and me. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. That's you and me. You could be here, sitting here and say, but I've never seen the power of God move through my life. Well, now's your time to get up and do it. I like the Nike, just do it. Man, you've got to just do it because you see, if we don't do something, the devil will. If we get so content with our world, then people are dying every day and going to go to hell. See, the devil, when you look at the abortion number, there's definitely a plan from him to kill off this generation. That is huge numbers. Huge numbers. You see, every one of those souls God had a plan for. Every one of those souls God had a destiny for. But see, praise God that they are in heaven. I mean, that's the cool thing about it, though. See, the devil thought that he was destroying a life, but actually they were given life. But you see, it will take us, we've got to rise up inside. Because you see, the devil can't get you to lose your, lose, to walk away from God, then what he will try and do is blind you. The devil is so good at getting us to look at our own circumstances, our own situation, that that's all we see. It's like there's a blind up and we can't see what's going on anymore because all I see is the fact I don't have any money. All I see is the fact that in my workplace, my boss is giving me stick and I can't stand it anymore. All I see is the fact that, that my life is falling apart. I've got issues of fear. I've got issues of insecurity. I've got issues of, of just, just stuff just being bombarded in my mind. That, that's all you can see and you don't see the destruction that the devil's doing. You see, what it will take is for you and me to, to pay a price. You know, I've not heard that before. I've heard so many people say that. I've said it. You know, a couple of months ago, I was sitting in church and in the morning service and just worshiping God during worship, and I just was thinking about that whole thing about paying a price. I just asked this question to God, God, what is that price? What is the price? I've heard it, but I've never really thought too much about it because, you see, I come to church. I sacrifice every Sunday. I pay a price. I serve in a ministry and, and, and you know, just have, you know, impact hundreds of kids and all this kind of stuff, God, that's paying a price. God, I give my tithes, I give my offerings. That's paying a price. So you see, when people have said you need to pay a price, yeah, man, I'm doing it. Pat on my back. Well done. But you see, when I actually ask God, God, what is that price? You know what, I, you know what he said? The same price that I paid for you. When I thought that, it was like, whoa. That's full on. That's so full on, God. And then the next thought came into my mind, but God, what about what I have to give up? I enjoy lying on the couch watching rugby. I enjoy it. 
Who stayed home from church today to watch rugby? No one put up your hand, well done. God, I enjoy lying on the couch, sleeping, because I reckon God gave us sleep because I love it. But God, I enjoy that sort of stuff. God, I enjoy just sitting there hanging, playing on my PSP and just, you know, just not thinking about anything because, you know, life's hard sometimes and sometimes I just want to relax. God, I enjoy that stuff. I don't want to give that stuff up. I enjoy just eating, God. There's no way people talk about fasting. That can't be of God because God gave us food to enjoy, as you can see. But you see, Daryl does that really well. He, he always does that now because your team pokes out his gut. But anyway, but um, it's very pretty. But you see, <laughs> but you see, I, that's what I said to God. But God, I like this stuff. You know what God said? You'll find greater enjoyment in me. You'll be greater fulfilled when you spend time in my word than what TV could ever do. You'll be greater fulfilled in prayer than what playing the PSP or, or eating could ever do. It's like, well, that's fair enough. But yet it's so hard to pray. But yet it's so hard to read our word. How many people would agree with that? I would, man, I, I find it hard. So I know the rest of you would find it hard too. But God, it's just... But then when I, when I thought about that, I just thought, well, actually, that's so true because when I do pray, when I do spend time in the Word, man, I love it. I feel so alive inside. I feel like I could go out and I could make an impact into this generation. But yet it's so hard. Because, see, the devil doesn't want us to go there. Greater fulfillment you'll find in me. Greater fulfillment you'll find in paying the cost of laying down the things that have no eternal value. TV has no eternal value. Food has no eternal value. Hanging out with your friends and, and, and you know, stuff, although it's great, but if that's all we do and don't spend time with God, then that won't give you eternal value either. So you don't stand when you stand before God with your friends. They'll be in the line waiting to stand before God. How many of us, how many of you guys pay the price that Jesus did? See, he laid it all down. He laid it all down for every one of you here. He laid it all down for me. He laid it all down for your neighbor. He laid it all down for your friends that don't know God. Because see, God's interested in them as much as he is interested in you. God loves them as much as he loves you. You know, turn to Mark 10. It's not the same verse that Doug preached off. Praise God. When he said turn to Mark 10, I thought, oh man, I'm going to have to change it. Mark 10, 17. Now, this is a story of the rich man. How many here would love to be rich one day? Well, you know what? Every one of you here are rich. Because you see, this, this world that we live in, New Zealand, we are rich beyond our mind could ever believe. 
You know, that, and I believe that's why we so struggle to pray and, and to read the word and, and to really give all of our life over to God. Because we have everything. Because you see, in the natural, we have everything that actually we don't need God to get by. It's not until we hit a crisis that then we really start pushing into God. See, that's only giving a little bit. You see, we went to the States beginning of last year with Pastor Andrew Shepard from Melbourne. And we went and visited some, you know, like Rick Warren's kids' church and a few other big, you know, mega thousands of people, kids' churches, see how they run them. And that was cool. But the thing that impacted me the most about it was that towards the end of the trip, we went to the Dream Center in L.A. I don't know if you guys have heard about that, but that's um, the Dream Center is where people who have no food, they're homeless, they come and they get fed. But what they've got to do is they've got to sit in a shelter first. Oh, sorry, sit in a shelter. Sit in a message first. They've got to go to like a chapel first. Then they can get some food. You know, I was so, I was so amazed by that because I was saying, why is it that there's so many homeless people? Why is it that so many people come? Because America don't have a benefit. They don't have a dog. See, New Zealand, you can not work, but the government will still look after you. You cannot work. You can sit on your butt and do nothing and the government will still look after you. But see, in America, they don't have any benefit. And we went to this apartment block right in the Bronx of L.A. Now, I was freaking because there was like me and my wife, a couple of whiteies, and, uh, and this other guy from the Dream Center who was a real skinny white fella as well. And uh, we were cruising in this apartment block in the Bronx of L.A., knocking on doors, saying, hey, we're from the Dream Center, there's food downstairs, and you're about to knock on the door, and it's, hey, you get out of here! It's rocking up, and it's like, oh, my goodness, I might die here. And we had this guy quickly run up to say, if you're on the second floor, whatever you do, don't knock on room 27, because he said, if anyone does it again, he's going to kill him. This is no lie. I was like, are we on that floor? No, you're not. Whew, that's lucky. You better tell the guy who is. Man, it was like, this is full-on stuff because these guys have nothing. But man, we are just so blessed in this country. Mark 10, verse 17, it says this. Now as he was going on the road, one came running, knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, do you call, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your mother and father. And he answered and said to him, good teacher, these things I do, I've kept them since my youth. Then Jesus looked at him and said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you, your treasure in heaven and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was sad at that word because that wasn't what he was expecting. You see, he had done the commandments. He had honored his mother and father. He didn't, hadn't committed adultery. He hadn't murdered. And so he thought, man, my life, I've sacrificed. God, I've laid down my life for you. But you see, there was a part of him that he didn't want to give up. Because you see, his security was in his possessions. And it's the same for us here. So often, 
We'll give God part of our life, but there's a part of it that we want to keep a hold of. Because you see, our security is not completely in God. And when it comes to the time where God says, I want you to, to lay down your life for me, we say, okay, God, we are. And we wonder why we don't see people saved. We wonder why we don't see miracles, you know, where we walk. Man, I want to just carry the glory of God around my life that wherever I go, people manifest. You know, I want to carry the glory of God that when I walk into a room, the, 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 the glory that I carry changes the atmosphere. If people are talking negatively, when I walk into that room, I want them to just like, whoa, you better stop talking and not know why. But see, that comes at a price. That comes at laying down all of your life. Allowing God to have every part of your life. Not just a little bit. Not just one part. Not just half. But that's everything. You see, this man's security was in his possession. So often, our security is in our finances. And then when we don't have any, our world is in a mess. So often our security is in our friendships that when we feel alone and rejected, our world is in a mess. So often our security might be in a relationship, but when that, if that relationship breaks up, our life ends up in a mess. You see, people will always let you down, but God will never. God calls us to lay down your life and take up your cross. You cannot lay down your life without it hurting. If you can say to me, man, yeah, I've laid down my life. I've, I've cost, it's cost me something. The question I ask you, does it hurt? Because see, when Jesus died, it was painful. He had shame. He had, it would have, you know, the pain of that whip just lashing on his back and the nails going through his arms, through his hands. Does it hurt? Because you see, it will hurt. See, when your friends are out having a good time and you're at home praying, reading your word, getting a prophetic vision. You see, in the Bible, it's, Jesus says, I only see what I, I only do what I see the Father do. If you don't see anything prophetically, then how will you know what to do? Because you see, Jesus only did what he saw God the Father show him. God will only show you things when you spend time with God. God will only show you how your generation can change when you spend time with God. You see, if we're not encountering God, if we're not saying, God, show me this, what you have for my generation. God, give me a vision of what you have for my generation. See, it's not until we start to see it in the Spirit, then we start to get excited. It's not until God shows us that we then start to get excited. You see, if God's showing you that you're going to prosper, if in the natural it looks like you're not, it doesn't matter because you're still excited because you've seen it. If God's showing it to you, then God will be faithful to give, to give it to you. If God has said, showing you a picture of your friend or your family members being saved, then you'll be excited about it. And it won't matter what it looks like in the natural, because if God's showing me it, then I will see it come to pass. But you see, so often we don't, all we see is the, the rubbish in the world because we're not spending time with God. We're not laying down our life and getting up early, even when you've had a late night. The thing I love about Pastor Mark, that man is 
has a big, busiest schedule that I've ever seen. You know, you come down here and he's in meeting after meeting after meeting. You know, he's away overseas, comes back the next day, is up for a, for a businessman's breakfast, and they're having a prayer meeting at six or whatever time it is. He must have got up at like five, and he's just come back from overseas the day before. That is like four hours behind in time. That's about laying it down. Yet if I have a late night, I'm struggling to get out of bed at six. I know when I've been overseas and I come back, there's no way I'm getting up at five in the morning. You know, and that's why he sees the miracles that he sees. And we wonder why we don't see miracles around our life. Because we're so comfortable where we live that we don't completely die. You know, when, I, when God showed me that, when God showed me that it's the same price that, that I paid for you, man, I just, tears came into my eyes. And then God said, just kneel down. And this is in church. I was like, God, no one else is kneeling down. Kneel down. Okay. So I knelt down. It was like at that time, I just got the heart. I got a revelation of actually what that meant. And that's what we need. See, someone could pray for you. But unless you choose, unless you get a revelation of it for yourself, nothing will change. You know, I had a revelation and I saw what God meant when he said, when someone says, lay down your life, I saw the cost, I saw the price. And now it's up to me to choose. You know, the choices you make today will determine your future. You cannot blame the devil for where you are today because you allowed him to have access into your life. See, it's all about a choice. Every one of us, we could say, God, why don't you just force us to love you? And then every, you'd have everyone following you then because he could do it. But see, God, that's not what God's about. God says, I want you to choose. I want you to choose me. I want you to choose to lay it all down for me and give up those things that we enjoy to spend time with God. Give up those things that we find enjoyment in, that we find pleasure in, and spend time with God and find pleasure in that. You know, I was talking with Pastor Doug a while ago. I was like, why don't we see, you know, people being saved all the time? Why don't we have testimony after testimony after testimony about miracles that are happening in the community? Because we're not paying the price that God has called us. We're not laying our lives down completely. I was so challenged by that. That I thought I was, but actually when I got a revelation of it, actually when I thought about my life. Yeah, I'm living for God. Yeah, I love God. Yeah, I sacrifice. Yeah, I do all that stuff. But there's still a part of me that I don't give my all every day to God. You know, another, another area that if we want to lay down our life for God, it's not only about laying it down when we worship God, it's also about another thing, and I want you to just stay on Mark 10. Firstly, before I go there, it says this in Psalm 62 8. My whole being follows hard after you and clings closely to you. Do you follow after God so close that wherever you go, you can feel the presence of God? Do you like cling on to God's back? Say, come on, God, let's go for a walk. So that wherever you go, when you go to school, you're carrying the presence of God. When you're in your classroom, you can feel God. You can feel his anointing. Or are you one day walking next to God 
And this is what I believe a lot of our lives are like. One day we're walking next to the God, we're in love with Him, we're passionate about Him. And then all of a sudden we see, whoa, look at that. Hang on, God, I'm just going this way for a second. And God keeps walking. Then we've got to catch up to God. And we're close to Him again. And then something else gets our distraction. Oh, hang on, God, I just want to, want to go over here this way for a bit. So often, you know, it's like, I think, man, God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to just spend, you know, hour with you, God, today, tonight. Something comes on TV. Next thing you know, it's 11 o'clock and it's, oh, well, that's tomorrow. You see, we've got to get the, take the things away that distract us. Get the things out of our life that distract us and take our eyes off God. In Mark 10, verse 43, it says this. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great, you shall be your servant. And whoever desires you, desires to be first, shall be a slave for all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus came to serve. When he was on this earth, he served. When he walked he washed the feet of his disciples. He didn't come and expect people to do it all for him. You see, but yet we get so caught up in our own little world that we don't see when people are in need. We don't see when people need God. And we get so caught up. You see, we're called to be like Christ. Jesus says we're called to be like Jesus. Whose feet have you washed? Anyone? I'm not talking about in the naturally, but natural bit. Do you sacrifice and go without so that you can give to others? So often we just we just see our own world that we don't even we don't even care what other people are going through. You know, I was in the Christian bookshop a few months ago and, and I was there just looking at a CD. And there was this guy, just a youngish sort of guy, and he, and he was looking at CD as well, and, and he had a skateboard with him, and I thought that's pretty cool. And, uh, and he went up to the lady and said, oh, how much is that? She said, 30 bucks. And he's like, oh, man, I've only got 20. And, you know, when, when I heard him say this inside, I was thinking, well, man, I should give him 10 bucks. You know, it's 10 bucks, really. But there was such a wrestle inside, and I was like, no, nah, man, that's just, who does that sort of stuff? No one, really. I've never seen anyone do that. I'm not, no, that's just crazy. And I was just wrestling for this for a while while he was just there looking at the CD, looking at another CD. And I went up to him and I said, I finally, you know, and I, and I felt God say this before to do this kind of thing, and I, and I haven't. And so I went up to him and I said, oh, you like that CD? He said, yeah. I said, uh, how much have you got? He said, 20 bucks. I said, man, I'll give you 10 bucks. You know, and it was like, but in the end, he found the money and he, had, he found it in, on, he had enough on his FPOS card and enough coins to pay for it. And he said, oh, no, that's cool, man. He said, and he said to the lady, he said, oh, at the shop, look at this guy, man. Man, who does that? And I was talking to him afterwards and, and he was like, man, wh what church do you go to? Oh, I go to Bay City. You know, and it was a testimony to the, to the church. But you see, the thing that amazed me was that he was so surprised by that. And he was a Christian. He was so surprised that someone would do that for him. But you see, that should be normal. That should be so normal that 
you know, we go wherever we go that if we can bless someone, we will. And I'm not talking about with necessarily with money, but speaking life into someone. If someone does really good, speak, hey man, you did awesome, man. Well done. I want to congratulate you. Instead of just continually tear them down, because it's not always about giving money. But it's just about laying down your life and maybe sacrificing something that you want to bless someone else. That's what it means to serve others. Because you see, Jesus, like I said before, Jesus' heart's not just for you, it's for everyone. If we're called to be like Jesus, then our heart needs to be for everyone too. See, that's why we do Superstar. It's not just about getting heaps of people in here because we can't stand up there and preach a God message to them. Then we wouldn't get a thousand. But it's about blessing the community. It's about sowing a seed so that we can reap a harvest. It's about being an example to a society that sees church as hypocrites. It's about being an example to see to a society that sees churches as people who just Bible bash and whenever they do something, their only agenda is to get you saved or to get your money. Because you see, that's how the world sees church. So when we do stuff for the community or when we you know, bless someone, we need to go in with a different spirit that it's not necessarily about getting them saved. Although that's what we want at the end of the day, but it's also, it's also about blessing that person and being like Christ to that person. How, how many times do you see when someone else is in need and you, and you say, man, I'm going to bless this person? How many times do you do that? Have you ever been without something so you could bless someone? Because that's also what it's about, about laying down your life for God. It's not only about spending time with Him and, and giving up what's in you that hinders you from God so that you can encounter God in greater ways. It's also about giving up and serving others because we're called to serve. You know, I just want to end with a story. This is about three guys. They were all in late teens. And every one of them was brought up in the church. Every one of them had Christian parents, Christian family. They all went to kids' church. They went to youth. You know, now they're at a stage in life where the dependency wasn't on their parents and they could make choices for themselves, you know, do what they want. And see, the first one, once upon a time, had a, had a great hunger, great desire for God, had a great love for God. But you see, also inside of him, he had a desire for things that weren't of God. He had a desire to go to the clubs. He wanted to have a girlfriend. Because you see, he'd never dealt with insecurities in his own life. He'd never learned to put his dependency on God. He'd never learned to lay down everything in his life and be dependent on God instead of what the world could give. And so as soon as he was faced with a circumstance and situation, you know, once he had walked out of kids' church and left youth and been encouraged to pray and all this kind of stuff and learned all the things that we learn, he walked out into the he walked out and started living a life. But see, he never prayed. He didn't read the Bible. Because his heart, his desire was to experience what he sees other people experiencing. To experience the clubs. Man, I just want to go dancing. I want man, I want I want to be loved. I want to find my wife. And so the, as soon as he had a 
a chance to go clubbing, which didn't take long. Straight away he was off, found a girlfriend, and his life was in a mess. Didn't walk with God again. The second guy, he also was brought up in Christ church and went through youth and had a Christian parents and all that kind of stuff. And he had a desire for God. He had a love for God. And, but you see, for him it was never a consistent thing. He would pray to God for, you know, one day, he'd go three days, then he'd pray and read the Bible. Then he'd go two days, he'd pray. Then he'd go a week without praying and reading the Word. Two weeks would go by, a month. Until eventually, he would hardly read the Bible at all, hardly pray, to, pray at all, hardly spend time at all. And when it, when it came to facing a, a situation in his life where he had to choose either God's way or, the, or what's not of God, the first time he could, he could stand up and say, no, man, I know this is wrong. God, I know you've called me. God, I know you've called me to be different. And that was okay. He stood up that time. But you see, because he hadn't, built a continual prayer life, a continual life reading the Word of God. When the second time came and he was faced with another circumstance, he walked. He just walked away from God because he didn't have anything inside of him. Now, the third guy, he loved God as well. But you see, he knew his life had a destiny. He knew he, God had a plan for him. He had a desire to want to reach his generation. He had a desire to want to stand up and dare to be different. So he prayed every day. He sacrificed doing what his mates were doing, and he prayed to God. He spent time in the Word. He would always make that the priority of the day. That would be the first thing he would do in the day. And as time went by, and as he faced circumstances where he had to choose either God's way or not, because he had filled himself up with the presence of God, he could stand. And the devil came and he got tempted again and he could stand. And temptation came again and he stood strong. And see, eventually over time, people saw that he was different. People saw that he wasn't like most Christians where they either just go off the rails well, they might stand at first, but then eventually they give in. And a couple of his mates went up to him and said, man, what is it, what's different about you? Because see, these guys are all in the same church. What's different about you? I connect to God, he said. I draw near to God every day. I walk, wherever I walk, God walks with me. Wherever I go, God goes with me. Because you see, he knew what it meant to be totally surrendered to God. How many of you here are totally surrendered to God? Let's have the musos up. How many of you here can say, man, I walk every day with God? That's why when preachers come and people say, you need to pray, you need to read your word, there's power in prayer. Because if, you see, the world we face today, there is so much pressure that comes on our life that eventually if we're not if we're, not just, if we're not connecting to God, then the pressure becomes so great that we can't withstand. You know, why do you keep walking around the same mountain, keep going through the same things? Because you've never, you, ne you don't allow God to come into your life. See, standing up and getting prayed for is good, and that, that's, that'll help. But at the end of the day, it's about making a choice. 
to continually walk with God. It's about making a choice to stand and to put God first above all else. See, that's what it will take. A dying to self. A dying to self. Being in a place where you're continually encountering God. That wherever you go, you walk with God. Because you see, when you see things, every time you watch TV, there's so much rubbish on TV. Whenever you watch stuff, you see it, that has an effect on your life. When you're, if you're listening to non-Christian music or you're at work and, you know, people are swearing, people are bagging, you know, other people, people are talking, you know, just about, you know, girls and like people do in workplaces. When you hear that stuff, that has an effect on your life. And unless you, you substitute that with God every day, you'll continue to keep falling over. You'll continue to keep coming short of the glory of God and then coming short of the destiny that God has for your life. Holy Ghost, we love you, Lord. Just everyone close your eyes here in this place. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with God. So maybe the first step for you is just asking God into your life. Because you see, friends, that's the first step about sacrificing our lives and dying to Him and asking Him into our life. That's the first step. And maybe that's you here tonight. Maybe you've, you don't walk with God. Maybe God is not a priority to you. Maybe you haven't even cared about God. And as I've been talking, you've been thinking, man, it kind of makes sense why my life is in such a mess, why the world around me is in such turmoil. You see, friend, the only thing that can change your life is God. The only thing that can take away the insecurity in your life is God. Drugs won't do it. Drink won't do it. Girlfriends won't do it. Friends won't do it. Burying yourself in work won't do it. Being rich won't do it. Only God can take that place of loneliness, can take that place of insecurity. Only God can set you free from that. See, we've got to ask Him into our life. That's just simply about praying a prayer and asking God, God to come and live in me. And then it's a continual walk with God. But see, you can't have a continual walk with God if you've never asked Him into your life. If that's you here tonight and you say, man, Steve, I don't know God. I've never asked God into my life. I don't have a relationship with Him. Who is this God that you're talking about? I want to know this God you're talking about. I just want you to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me, man. I want a relationship with God. I want my life to be different. I want to get rid of the stuff that holds me back. If that's you here, then I just want you to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. I don't have a relationship with God, but man, I need one. Anyone here tonight doesn't have a relationship with God can see God's the only one that can change your life. Last chance. Last chance. Don't leave this place without encounter, without coming into a relationship with God. You know, the other thing that I want to do is, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to have an, I don't have an altar call and just pray for people 
and then nothing changes in your life. Because you see, for me, I know, that, like I've been, pray, I've been prayed for for stuff, but for me, it took an encounter with God and getting a revelation of God, of actually what God desires of us. So if you're here tonight and you say, man, I know that there are things in my life that hold me back, that and may, maybe you thought that you were completely surrendered to God. Maybe you thought that when people say you need to die, you need, it's a sacrifice, it's a cost. Maybe you thought, yep, I'm paying that cost. And then tonight you've realized actually there are things that I don't lay down. There are things that do hold me back. And what I want is for us to come and just fill the front. And we're going to sing that My Redeemer song, the worship one that we're just doing, Glorious Redeemer. We're going to sing that. And as we do, what I want is for you guys just to be totally abandoned to God. Lift up a shout of worship unto Him. And as He does, we're going to believe that He will encounter your life. We're going to believe that He'll give you a revelation of what that means. We will believe that He'll He will come and He will put His hand upon your life. Because you see, it's about a choice. It's not about just walk, getting prayed for and walking away. It's about you coming up here and choosing that tomorrow will be different. It's about you coming up here and making a choice and saying, God, whatever it takes, I want you. God, today I choose to sacrifice. Today I choose to lay down my life. Today, God, I choose to let go of the fear. Today, God, I choose to let go of the anxiety. Today, today God, I choose to let go, Lord God, of, of, of the drive that I've had to get, to, to be financially rich, Lord God. Or to, you know, God, if today I lay down the fact that I've, I've just put myself into work, God, and I choose to allow you into every part of my life. If that's you here today, come, come up the front. Let's fill this altar. Let's just have a time of just worshiping God. Holy Ghost.
declare you reign, Lord. Holy Ghost, we pray for everyone here, Lord. God, I declare, Father, that an open heaven would be around their life, Lord. Father, I declare revelation would come, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord God, we break every distraction, Lord. Father, we break every insecurity. Lord, we break every fear in Jesus' name. Lord God, we choose, Father God, that we would align ourselves to you. God, we choose, Lord God, I thank you. You empower everyone here. Father God, Lord, I thank you that today, Lord, they would leave this place different. Lord, they would leave this place, Lord, with the choice that they want to encounter you. God, I pray, Father, right now, Lord, you'd give them a revelation of what that cost is. Lord, you'd give them a revelation, Father, an understanding of what that price is. Lord God, for the things, Lord, that, Lord, that hold us back, Lord, I pray, God, you'd open their eyes. Father, Lord, where they've been blinded, open their eyes in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's give them a shout of praise. Sometimes we've got to allow ourselves to be fired up so much that we start to hate what he's done, that we start to hate the things that he's done to hold you back, that you start to hate and get angry the things that he does to destroy your friends, to destroy your families. Because you see, so often we just get passive. But see, God wasn't a passive God. Jesus wasn't a passive God. See, he tore up the temple. He tore up the place of worship when they were worshiping other gods. You know, in our life, now the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Our life is a place of worship. We've got to get angry. We've got to get angry. We've got to rise up inside. We've got to say, no longer will I allow it. No longer will I allow the things that hold me down. No longer will I allow it, God. God, I get fired up. I choose, Lord, to get angry. Lord, I choose to get angry. Lord, we're my friends. Lord, God, have been Father in Napier, Lord in Flaxmere and Havelock, Lord, we declare you reign. Father, we declare, Lord, that within would rise up. Lord, a passion, Father, to see our friends saved. Father, we declare inside, Lord, would rise up. Lord, the fighting spirit, Lord. Lord, I declare we'd be an army. Father God, that would, 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 
let out a shout, Lord God, when we're about to go into battle. You know, and Braveheart, they, when, 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 uh, Mel Gibson, you know, was rocking them up when they're about to go into battle. And they were all cheering, they were all yelling, they were all getting fired up. Even though the odds didn't look like they could do it, they were all fired up. They were all, you know, getting angry and getting stirred up inside. You know, church, us is we're an army of God. We're an army of God. We've got the best weapon. We've got the best one fighting for us. We need to get, a, we need to get alive inside. We need to start the fire up. Holy Ghost. Lord God, we pray right now for our friends. Lord, for our families. Lord, for our region, God. Father, we declare, Lord, that the devil has no hold in Jesus' name. Father, we declare every assignment of the devil has been broken in Jesus' name. Father, we declare the hold that he has on our life, Lord, on our friends' lives has been broken in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare the hold that he's had on family members, Lord, is broken in Jesus' name. Father God, we, we claim them, Lord, as children of God. Father, we speak into their spirit and we declare them to arise as a child of God. Where there's been blind, we declare sight to come in Jesus' name. Father, we declare where there's been a hunger for that that's not of you, Lord, that, Father, a hunger for you would come instead. Lord, we declare it. Lord, we have shouted their praises unto the devil. We declare they'll shout their praises unto you. God, in Jesus' name, we declare soul saved, soul saved, soul saved, soul saved in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare you reign. You reign. You reign.
declare we will not be silent, Lord, about our love for you. Even if it means being ridiculed, 
God, we choose to pay that price. Jesus. Holy God. Start to talk to him, church. Just start to sing to him. Just start to lift up the voice of worship under him. Remember, it's a choice. You choose. You choose to walk completely with God, totally surrendered to Him, or just with a certain part. You know, as you leave this place, we're going to finish with one fast song. We're going to rejoice. But choose this week to encounter Him. Choose to lay down every part of your life for Him. Amen? Amen.